Welcome to the Multipod. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos. Uh, me llamo Ted. Y uh, tengo Vieni y Marcelo con mí uh, por ese episodio. <laughs> Is, does that work? Very good. <laughs> Excellent, Ted. Hey, gracias. I, uh, this is our Spanish episode. This is um, part one, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I'm very pleased to be joined here by Vianney and Marcelo. And you'll hear me try to speak a bit of Spanish. Now, people listening might resonate with this because I've always felt for myself, if I really immerse myself in Spanish, I have studied it a bit. And I think if I really spent like a few weeks immersed in it, I probably pick it up fairly quickly. I mean, I can speak French and there's a lot of um, similarities and maybe everyone listening or a lot of people can uh, relate to that too. It's a, uh, it's a fun language to speak and we're going to dive into it um, today in terms of getting the Spanish perspective on multipotentiality, which is um, a part of a theme that we're, we're trying to pursue here on the multipod we did talk to well Flo and had a guest back in november we talked to the german perspective and uh you know we're considering doing french and portuguese and just other perspectives because we often forget i think in the community that i mean everything happens basically in english there's certainly some side conversations in people's native languages but generally speaking the main conversations happen in english the huddles are generally in english and Number one, of course, that basically forces people to have to understand English, either written or speaking. But number two, you really miss, perhaps, the perspective of a different culture, a different language, and the language they use, the vocabulary, and so on, to describe this thing we call multipotentiality. So that's basically what we're here to talk about uh, today and get into it. And before I, I turn it over to our guest, I'll say that this is also a bit of a prelude to a bonus episode that we're planning to do soon, which will be entirely in Spanish. So we're going to be true to our word here, and um, we'll give you a bit of a, a broader introduction here with this episode, obviously for people who don't speak Spanish to understand these concepts. But then we will do a dedicated one uh, in Espanol um, very soon. So, uh, Vianney is joining us. She's in Mexico City. Marcelo is here. He's from Argentina. Uh, remind me again the town you're in? Mendoza. Mendoza, that's right. Mendoza, it's a beautiful place. You can see the Andes Mountains off in the distance. Right. And, uh, and I'm here in, in Quebec, in Canada. So, it's another uh, global episode of the Multipod. Um, first of all, Vianney, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Ted. I'm fine. I must say I'm a bit <laughs> nervous, but really excited to be here recording with you yeah and marcelo yeah we've been chatting about this for a little while so it's nice to make it happen and uh, marcelo how are you doing today fine thanks also very very excited and grateful for you for this opportunity and dna also so i'm yeah. very happy to be here well this is what we're here for you know we like to to point out on this show how it's a chance for people to practice podcasting just to get that experience you know if it's something you're curious about or or if you ever end up getting a, an invitation in the future to be on a podcast about whatever, you can certainly come and practice here on this show. It's, it's a big part of what we're for. So um, how about, uh, Marcelo, what brought you to the Puttyverse? How long have you been a member? Well, I've been a member for about one and a half year. And, well, of course, it was like a, a changing, a life-changing experience when when mm. I, I first uh, came to Emily's TED 
talk and well, it was like a whole new world for me. Well, that's, that's, I'm very, very happy to be part of this community. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We see you around a lot on the forum, so it's, um, we, we can tell you're, you're quite into it. And how about you, Vianney? How long have you been a, a member? I actually joined just on February. Okay. And I have been doing as much as possible. I think I, I enter with all the energy and now I'm a little holding back because of personal projects, but also really, really excited to be part of the community and have a place where I can just mm. talk to people, exchange ideas, just read very interesting perspectives about any topic and and just learn how to podcast also or sure, yeah. many, many other things. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, tell you guys, I've been a member coming up on four years. And it's really the type of thing where you can take it at your own pace. A lot of it comes down to time, of course, the time we have available. You won't see me too much over the summers generally. But when I have time, I love to dive in. And you don't have to feel pressured. You know, if, if you have time, if you want to do something, that's great. If you, if you kind of drift away or get busy for a few weeks or months, you can always come back. So it's a really nice community in that sense that you, people can just kind of come and go and take it at your own pace. So it's always a good thing to keep in mind. How did you guys, well, I'll start with Vianney. How did you discover the Puttyverse? How did you find out about it? I was very lucky. Like this bad habit, but with good results about scrolling Instagram just before going <laughs> to bed. And I found a, a post about someone saying that um, he was a multipotential. Hmm. Um, and he referred to Emily's TED Talk. But just by... Uh, he started this post with the with this question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that we never get to answer it. And it was very, very annoying. Mm -hmm. It's still annoying. Um, so I, I connected with this term. And then I couldn't actually watch uh, Emily's TED Talk because my internet stopped working. Oh, so yeah. it took maybe another two weeks. And when I finally watched this talk, it was... Uh, I think it was a very important moment in my life <laughs> mm -hmm. because I, I could see her even struggling as she told her story that she had lived. It, it was not just a speech. It was actually something that she was living. Yeah. So it, I think I felt the same way. And I said like, okay, I, I need to join this community because it's probably the community I always wanted. Nice. Yeah, that's a great yeah. story we hear. I mean, I, I think it's something like 90% of the members uh, first found out or really learned about it through that, that Ted talk. So it was a huge resource for her, for all of us. Uh, Marcelo, how about you? How did you find the group? Yeah. According to that 90, I'm, I'm part of that 90%. <laughs> and well, I, I, I remember vividly how one morning, early in the morning, I came to my office and it was the morning. I was feeling very bad, very down with a lot of, anxiety and anguish due uh, to my my professional career and mm. suffering a lot of uh, pain there i it, it was like it, it was incredible because it was like uh, i know i don't know like an internal an inner force that suggested me <laughs> to google uh, some ted talk about career and well then i got to emily's mm -hmm. tiktok and it was like wow like a life-changing moment with tears and everything 
And well, from that, of course, Google enabled me to know about the community and then I, I just got into it. And well, I'm, I'm still like in the process of integrating this, this way of perceiving myself. Yeah. But it, it was really life changing. So since, well, you've been a member a bit longer than Vienna, like has it um, impacted decisions that you've made in your life since then, probably towards jobs or just other things, but has it made that any tangible kind of direct impact on your life? Yeah, mainly about, I would say, the way of treating myself, you know? The key thing was stop seeing myself as a failure, as a broken mm. being, and discovering that, I'm not broken, and not only that I'm not broken, that I have a lot of superpowers, as Emily (laughs) puts it, uh, that, well, and I'm now in the process of integrating and and trying to create a a better and healthier Mm -hmm. life for myself, which is not easy (laughs) after 38 or so (laughs) years of perceiving myself in, in a different way, pushed by my culture, definitely. Yeah. I'm in that process, but I, I think it's it's the main change I, I can perceive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what do you do for work? What takes up most of your time? Well, I work in the my family business. We, we own a gas station and some real estate mm-hmm. investments. I'm also a winemaker, that it's a a field that I developed recently or about 10 years ago. I used to have my my own wine producing project, but I currently sold my part. And I'm also a professor at the university in winemaking. Okay. And well, that's mainly, well, I'm also, I have just finished a coaching training, a two years coaching training, uh, ontological coaching. And well, I'm also planning to develop that field as a part of my professional career as well. Now that sounds like a really great multi-potentialite CV, (laughs) resume. (laughs) Right, absolutely. But is that the reality for you on the ground? Because you're doing lots of great things and variety. Does it it do enough for you? Do you feel free to be yourself? Uh, I'm starting to to embrace that idea, but I'm I'm working. I'm working on trying to organize my, my life and my career area in a more multipotentialite friendly perspective. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a long journey for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Vianney, are you starting a new job or something? I think I, I saw. Is that true? Yes. Or potentially? I actually started a job yesterday, a part-time job yesterday. And it was those kind of moments where I had the interview and then the next day I had a call with a friend about a project that we wanted to start on January, but never happened. And now she's all in like, yes, let's do it. So <laughs> so it, they kind of overlap, plus a lot of other projects. But it's mostly uh, about sustainable tourism, which is the okay. major I'm finishing in June. I'm just in the last part of that process. And it's it's really exciting because... I don't think I had ever experienced before 
that I studied something and then I actually applied it. So this is the first time I'm kind of following that line, but it comes with uh, many different perspectives and challenges. So for example, right now we will work on a, on one project. It's an NGO and they have a program to develop sustainable tourism businesses in Honduras. So we will be okay. recording a lot of videos about how to develop some skills to be better in their businesses and because of covid it will everything be online but it's still mm -hmm. very nice because then we wait, we get to have a space to facilitate and design the workshops and then that project is is an ongoing thing with other parts in mexico and maybe other countries in like central america and then this other project that i had an appointment just today is about um redoing everything like doing the transition a business from a regular tourism to just um, biocultural tourism which where mm. everything about the nature and the people are more important and to add the background for the multi-potential light i started design advertising design and i did some things there i really like writing so i did another study about that and have growth some small tale, uh, tales in Spanish. And I don't know, I think because of this culture thing that you have to pick something and just decide and go for it, I kind of mm. went on a kind of a straight line, not really. But now I'm just embracing everything and seeing <laughs> like, okay, what I can do with everything I know. So a little bit. Yeah, that's great. I've worked in tourism too for like 15 years, travel and tourism and I, one of the reasons I love it is because of the variety that you get. There's so many different projects you can do. There's different things you can talk about, different places, different styles of tourism and, and so on. And so it's like if you get tired of doing one thing, now you can probably shift and do something else or even a couple of things at the same time. But it's all under this broader umbrella of travel and tourism. So it's it's one of the, I think it's one of the better I guess, industries for people like us. There's yeah. so many different op options. A, a truly opportunity for a renaissance business, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I'm doing now is with my podcasting because I really want to work with people in travel mm -hmm. and tourism and help them tell their stories through podcasts. Now, I'm curious to know how you would describe multi-potentiality in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me ask Marcelo first. And, and part of this too, I'm very, I'm trying to be very careful to uh, not be, let's say monolithic about it because I suppose it's easy for us in, us in the English world to forget sometimes just how widespread Spanish is. And that obviously things are going to be different in Mexico than they are in Argentina or Spain or anywhere else. So with that in mind, we'll see if you guys maybe have different answers, I suppose. But Marcelo, like, would you, how, what kind of words, we, I guess we'll try to translate it, but what kind of words or vocabulary might you use to describe the concept, the idea of multi-potentiality? Right, yeah. The the funny thing is that we still sort of can't, or or, or me at uh, at least can't find like the word. You know, mm. actually, it's it's been a topic of discussion in our two huddles that we yeah. we, we, we we have been having in, in the Futureverse. and it's like I mean, we can have some like literal translation like multipotential or something like that but mm -hmm. it's like 
we still haven't found like a, a, a word that we, we feel that, I don't know, that express what it does in English, you know? So I think it's, it's one of the, the things. And actually, I think it's very related to the fact that we can't intervene in a word that we can't name. <laughs> we can't, so we can't distinct by putting names and using word and using, and that's the very important and valuable function of language, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's very related to the fact that in Spanish, there is a lot of, a, a huge lack of material about multipotentiality. I actually, all, all that I had learned, it's in English. And I, I was able to, to get into, in this world and in this community and to have this opportunity of a life changing experience because I can speak and understand English. Otherwise, right. I, would probably wouldn't be able to do it. So yeah. that's what actually joined uh, us Spanish learner and uh, speakers in, in the community about, well, maybe we can do something about that, you know, and, and start to, to, well, build the distinctions to create the distinctions we need in, in our own language uh, for those who can't speak English. Yeah. Do you guys struggle with describing it to other people because of a lack of vocabulary? Absolutely. In my case, uh, it's absolutely a problem for me trying to explain myself. Hmm. It's very hard for me. It's like uh, I don't have I don't have the the words to do it, you know. For me, I think it's a very personal concept. In hmm. Spanish, I would just translate it as multipotential. Or sorry, multipotential, just like that. But as Marcelo okay. once said, it feels like it lacks something. Like that light at the end of the word in English, it kind of needs something. And I try to translate it to multipotentialitico or multipotentialitica <laughs> or something like that. It's just weird, and, but maybe something like that. Um, I had experience since I joined the community explaining other people. And it comes with mixed uh, perceptions. Like for my family, they, they kind of have supported me the whole time. But at the same time, they sometimes worry about me. And it's like, hey, pick something. Like, mm. you should go in one direction or something like that. But still, they were happy with this term that I found and this community I joined. They were like, okay, there are more people who understand what she's going through. So it's fine. <laughs> we're happy. But then I experienced with friends, with some, probably the ones that know me the most, they were really happy too, and they love this concept and this idea and this universe and everything. Hmm. I have even shared some, um, the blog articles, the open blog articles from the Beautyverse, and they had found them like really good. But then I also found other people that I was like, I am a multipotential and I can do this and this. And then they go back to this uh, state of mind where, yeah, well, I used to be like that. But then I had to learn that the society works this way and you must find something and you have to pick. And, 
an action, an activity, and then if you can, if you have free time, do the rest of the things. So that's when I realized that it's actually very, very personal. Like th this experience we had by watching Emily on this tech talk, they have not experienced that. Maybe the closest people to us, they have seen us struggle, so they can actually get it. But then people who, maybe they are good friends, but they have not seen their whole process of struggling through a lifetime. So I I think I kind of stopped saying to every people because I know they would not understand it and maybe even kind of get me down. So I just, I'm, I'm happy. It's like a level I decided to use <laughs> and it's for me. And if someone wants more information, then I'm up for it and I'll tell as much mm. as possible. Yeah, I suppose a lot of us end up feeling that way. I mean, it's not like it's that really widespread a concept even in English or the English world. You know, we often have to describe it, of course, and, and tell people what it's about, it, largely because people, I think, don't even realize that it's a thing. You know, it's that, that you can have a life that's this way, that you can pursue those different interests. So another big question, now this is interesting too, the comparison with your two countries, perhaps, is what kind of like societal structures in say the education system or the economy and things like that, family dynamics and so on, like really force you into choosing that one path. I mean, everybody has that same basic common experience, I think, around the world, regardless of your culture. But do you feel it's any more pronounced perhaps or more, more pressure or maybe less really in either of your countries? Is there, what's the experience like in, let's start with Argentina? Well, in... In my experience, I think the, the, the system in general, it's not uh, multipotential ad friendly at all. Mm. But I think it's more like average, like the, what, I, what I see in, this, in the rest of the world, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, all the, 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 the education and culture, you should choose one thing, one path. And that's the only way to to be successful. Actually, it was quite hard for me in my own experience. Does the education system basically kind of force pressure kids to make those choices, especially early when they're fairly young? Yeah, yeah. Because you face the decision, like the career decision when you're 17. And here in our system, after high school, you have university and that's where you get your degree. So it's like you you have like that critical decision at that very early age and it's it's really hard. Actually I, I see it and like ninety five percent of the kids <laughs> of that uh, that are in that position you They're see too young. them yeah very young and struggling a lot. And also suffering when they're, well, actually it was my experience. It's like I, at the very beginning of my education at the university, university I started feeling that wasn't like my thing, you know. And still, I couldn't see as an option, you know, to change or to try another thing. And I, I, yeah. Does it get any easier as you get older? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I sort of managed to <laughs> to to find that variety that we need that now I can understand it and I sort of manage it 
in, in the field that I had chosen, that it's business. I, I did my formal education first in, I got a degree in business administration and that I, I also made a, an MBA. There it's sort of find my way. And even uh, when I was 30 years old, I decided to change completely the field and went back to school with 17 years old kids okay, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to study winemaking. And I got a degree in winemaking, but it was very, very hard very hard to take that decision to explain it, even to myself. I actually was hard to allow myself to, to do that move. But now I had always had like this, you know, failure perspective about myself. And now it's what I find like much more healthier to understand myself, not as a broken <laughs> person that understand we, what, what are my my specific powers and characteristics and yeah. and drives being a, a multi yeah that's great and that changes all of course oh yeah changes everything <laughs> yeah in mexico is it is it as rigid an education path as we see in most countries think so this probably happens in all of the countries that sometimes the whole family it's they are lawyers and then you have to become a lawyer or then oh, yeah. they are architects and so i think it's it works the same in mexico we also have to make the last decision the final decision at age 17 but actually i people were asking me this question like what do you want to be when you grow up since i was 13 years old Mm. And ve like very seriously. And I, I remember even having uh, teachers getting mad at me because I wouldn't answer that question. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have many years to think about it. And then when the year came, <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually took a, a year out of school. I was done with the school. I didn't want to study anymore. I went to Canada, actually, oh, yeah. uh, for just three months, but very nice. Where did you go? Three months. Uh, to British Columbia, okay. to a very small town called Powell River, North Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I've been there. You yeah. know it. It's yeah, it's nice. beautiful. <laughs> it's yes. a nice little town, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I lived there. I That was actually my first um, international experience, huh. and it was an eye-opener, and I think that changed a lot of things for me, because mm. even when I went back to school and the only thing that made sense was to study design because I would see all the subjects and it's like, okay, I wouldn't mind having a class about any of these topics. And so that's what made sense and that's what I did. But I remember the whole time knowing I liked what I was studying, but that I didn't want to work as a designer the whole time. Like it was three years. Oh, wow. And when I finished, I started with French. And a year later, I had the opportunity to go work uh, in another part of Mexico for tourism and then having connections with people from other countries and going back to speaking English and mm. French. And even that's where I decided I wanted to learn German. And so I think it's kind of Marcelo's story. We find a way to fit this need of learning and doing different stuff, yeah. even though... It kind of follows a path, but I think it's it's that way. And and mm -hmm. one thing that happens a lot in Mexico and probably in many other countries is that you must have a degree 
it doesn't matter what you are, you must have a degree. And especially coming from a, my father's side of the family, I don't think anybody finished a, a degree. And mm -hmm. on my mother's side, just my mother and the others, no, just they all three got the degree. But then they had this um, very strong voice from my grandfather always saying, you must study, you must work very hard, you must do everything, and you must be the best worker ever, mm. and that's your life. Yeah, so if yeah. you get a degree, you'll be fine. And I know I kind of understood the message that time had changed, and even though I had a degree or I could get a degree, I, that would not be a guarantee for a successful life. But still, mm. it's like, if you don't have a degree, then you're basically a nobody, <laughs> unless yeah, you have a yeah. lot of money and contacts to do other stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's similar here. Same thing in, in Argentina. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very important factor also, that you should have a degree. It's like you, you have no opportunity to, to be successful if, if you don't have a degree. And yeah, that, that's start like forcing the idea of choosing one path, especially mm -hmm. when you're at that age. So young, young you know, I, I really believe that my life would have been healthier and smoother. <laughs> Maybe knowing about multipotentiality when I was 17 years old, yeah. it would have been really with a lot of less of suffering at the least. Yeah. Well, it gives you perspective. I think that's as important a thing as anything is you realize that there's so much more to life than kind of what's right in front of you and what people are telling you to do. Essentially that in that moment, you have to get a job, you have to go to school or and do this or that. Um, right. And as you get older, I mean, it's kind of the wisdom of age, I suppose, anyway. But you think back over your life and you realize, yeah, I probably didn't have to listen to them all the time. But it's hard when you're young and you don't have that kind of confidence necessarily. So a group like this, a concept like this helps to give, especially youth, I suppose, but anybody, uh, that confidence that you're not alone. And there's other people out there to, to give you that kind of support. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also has to do with how we are raised, that you cannot make mistakes. Mm. And at least most people in Mexico, uh, you know about Argentina, it's like you must have a job. It's not be an entrepreneur. That's not something that you hear a lot. It's just do not fail and get a job and also be silent. So if we had these other perspectives and maybe... It's like, I don't know what I want to do, but maybe I can start my own business about plants because I like plants right now. And then that turns into something else. Then I think that could be another way of approaching yeah. the potentiality. Yeah. And, and even, even knowing all the different approaches that uh, you have as a multipotentialite, because we are also different as multipotentialites. What works for one sure. multipot doesn't for another And that's also very, very important and very valuable, you know, to know about that and to that. That's that's why I feel that that lack of material of knowledge in Spanish it's a really bad thing for our mm -hmm. society, our community. Well, let's look at that before we wrap up because we really want to 
start to figure out, I suppose, how we can spread this message to the Spanish-speaking world. Do you think, I mean, is it just a question of somebody or, or ideally a few people writing about it, a blog, they could podcast, they could do other things? Is that all it's going to take? Do you think there's more that's necessary? I think we need these resources, like a podcast or a blog or, a, I don't know, a Spanish practice huddle or something like that. But just sure. as openers for bigger conversations and about many topics and getting more people involved. And I think that's also really, really important. In your Spanish huddles so far, you've had a couple just this year, right? It's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, it's very recent. We have just yeah. done two of them. Okay. Well, in your huddle so far, do you find maybe you talk about different topics that haven't come up in the regular forum? Yeah, I think one topic was about everybody agreed of this lack of resources in Spanish and how as mm. as part of this community, we can all collaborate with that. And it doesn't matter, actually, in our huddles, there were not only Spanish native speakers, but there were also other languages, native speakers that speaks sure. or likes Spanish or are learning. And they're more than welcome because it also invites the diversity that's so great for building anything. And then, well, we were having some conversations about what could we create all together in in this matter, you know? Yeah, I think that project is just starting, but it's on the right foot. Like, And also thanks to Sonia that yeah. made this podcast a reality. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. Big <laughs> hug to Sonia. She's great also. Yeah. This is kind of her idea. She's a good example because she's in Portugal. She speaks Portuguese, but also right. Spanish. So there's someone for for whom it's you know second, third language, but still interested in being part of that uh, group of uh, Spanish speakers. Do you guys have another one planned? Do you have a date yet for the next one? Uh, no, we we haven't scheduled a date for for the next one so far, but we will soon probably. Very soon. <laughs> especially after this podcast. It, it must be there. <laughs> sure. And let's uh, chat a bit before we go about um, at least doing an episode of this show in Spanish. We'll, we'll post it as like a bonus episode, which we do from time to time. So kind of uh, in between the regular ones. But the plan, I mean, absolutely. Todos en Español. And, um, you know, anyone who, who obviously wants to listen can go for it. Do you... Do you have any ideas for that episode? Just kind of conversation, the same basic thing, but in Spanish? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of interesting things will come up just going with the flow, you know. Sure. Yeah, I some ideas, for example, we were saying that we would love to hear how is it for people in Spain because they also speak Spanish. They don't have all this information in their native language, but they have this um, proximity with all these other countries that make this union. So I don't know, maybe they have more knowledge about it. And I think, I don't know, maybe not for the next podcast, but at some point, a good idea. I would really like to invite people that, love Spanish, that their native tongue is another one, but then they 
for some reason felt attracted to this Spanish language and they wanted to learn it and actually be an invitation and yeah. learn about them too. Sure. Cool. Well, I think our plan as it stands now, we'll start with one. We'll do one episode in Spanish. And, you know, if you guys or if anyone else certainly wants to join in to help organize, co-host or anything, uh, you're welcome to do so. We could do a few more. We'll start with one, though, and, and hopefully get that out in, uh, in the next few weeks, I suppose, as soon as we can. Right. So something to look forward to. And, and as I say, we'd like to do that in other languages, too, you know, and uh, in French. I'd like to be part of that one. And uh, Flo might, and Vanessa might do something in German and, of course, Portuguese, and uh, we'll see what else. So it's a nice kind of uh, theme here that we're building, focusing on languages. We love chatting about languages. How did you guys, like, this is the last question, quickly, how did you guys learn your English? Because you guys speak excellent English. I'm always amazed at people and, and their English <laughs> skills when you're coming from a different country. So, Vianney, how did you uh, learn your English? I know you spent a bit of time in Canada. Yeah, I think most of it I learned it here. Not in regular school, just maybe some vocabulary there. But I mm -hmm. went to one of, I don't know if I probably that exists in Argentina too, um, kind of these schools where it's like you can learn English in six months and let very intensive course. And I actually had that time. So <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> and I, I, I think I learned it in about seven months plus many other years of school, but very yeah. focused one. And then I went to Canada. So I think that made me connect all the dots that I hadn't. And from there, I just kept listening to things in English and challenging myself. So it's there. It's stuck. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, I started when I was very young. Well, my mom, she was an English teacher. And with my, my dad, they always encouraged us with my, my, my siblings to study it. And well, actually, languages is one of my passions, of my multiple passions. So I really love it from, from the beginning. And I also took advantage of every opportunity I had to practice and stuff. And when then also traveling and taking any chance to, to yeah. practice it and speaking it. And I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Nice. That's great. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys and um, chatting about your stories, your background and your experience. And um, I've been to Mexico City. I'd love to go back and I'd really love to go to Argentina. So we'll be get down there one of these days. Oh, <laughs> you're more than welcome here. Yeah, here too. You will taste great, great wines. Oh, here yes, definitely. I promise that. <laughs> so uh, hasta luego and we'll see you soon on our Spanish episode Todos en Español yeah. eso, sí, nos vemos nos vemos pronto en el Argentina gracias gracias gracias, gracias.